I want to invite you to turn back again to Joshua 24, which Missy read for us earlier. It's the passage that we'll be looking at uh, for our message today. We'll be returning next week to our um, sermon series, which we began in the fall in 1 Corinthians. Uh, But today we'll be looking at Joshua chapter 24, the verses that were read earlier. Let's come before the Lord in prayer again. Father, as we turn again to your word, we turn to you as the Lord of the word, that you would speak to us in this time, Lord, that you would take the words of your humble servant, that you would make them effective and powerful and work in us your will. Father, we thank you that by your spirit, Your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And so, Lord, do uh, your convicting and your convincing work in us today that we might be changed, that we might indeed um, love you and serve you uh, in the way that you have called us to. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how you approach the new year, but for me, even though it is simply a, a, a kind of a, a mark on the calendar of sorts, like many folks, I think of it as a time of transition. The end of the year just feels like a time when, when things in life are winding down, certain things in life are winding down. And, and as we celebrate Christmas and the birth of the one who, who uh, brings new life and, and new beginnings, the coming of a new year brings the opportunity with it to reflect on the past year and the Lord's uh, work in that year. And then to enter into the coming year with a renewed focus, with a, a kind of optimistic resolve about what lies ahead and what the Lord has in store. The new year uh, for many of us is a time to, to reflect and to refocus, a time to look back as well as to look forward. And today, as the first day of 2023, and as we enter into this new year, gathered here as God's people before the Lord, I thought it would be appropriate to consider another significant time of transition in the life of God's people. A time where God calls his people to reflect on the past and to, and to refocus on the future with a renewed resolve to, to worship and to serve him with sincerity and with faithfulness. And it's recorded for us in this last chapter of the book of Joshua, which was read earlier. It's a time of transition in that after, after 40 years of, of wandering in the wilderness and being led by God and provided for by God under the leadership of Moses and, and now having delivered his people into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua, the tribes of Israel are now entering into a new a period of, of settling down and, and growing and, and living life together as God's people in the land and called by him to serve as, as a light to the nations. And appropriately, Joshua calls all the people together one last time in the, in the city of, of Shechem, the same place that centuries earlier, Abraham and, and Jacob had built altars to the Lord. And as the elders and leaders of the tribes present themselves before the Lord, knowing that that his time of leadership is nearing its end, Joshua speaks prophetically on behalf 
of the Lord in what is a, a kind of covenant renewal between God and his people as they transition into this new life in this new land. And what can we learn from, from this text in Joshua that may encourage us and, and help us as we reflect and refocus on this first day of a new year, as, as we as a church look to renew our vision and, and restructure our ministries to better, better carry out our calling as Christ's ambassadors in this community. Or perhaps as you personally find yourself facing other kinds of transitions or changes in life that may warrant renewed perspective and, and, and refocused purpose for what lies ahead. Well, I see in this account four steps or, or four kind of movements as you go through this, um, this passage that give us a pattern of sorts to follow heading into this new year as we reflect on the past and, and refocus for the future and what God has in store. And these, these four steps can be captured in four words, all beginning with C. Consider, choose, count, and commit. Consider, choose, count, and commit. Let's take a look at each of those briefly this morning. The first step is to consider God's past faithfulness. We see this in the, in the first part of this passage in verses 2 through 13. Throughout the scriptures, we are repeatedly find the, the command for God's people to consider the works of the Lord, to remember his faithfulness to his promise and his, his mighty deeds on behalf of his people. Faith in God is not a, a blind faith. Our faith rests on the certainty of God's faithfulness to his word and to his promises, both in the, in the past dealings with his people recorded for us in the scriptures, but also in his work as we see it at various times throughout history and even his work in our own lives. Considering and remembering God's faithfulness in the past is important because so often in the heat of life's struggles or even in the blessings of life's successes, we are prone to forget what God has already done. This was especially important as the Israelites were settling into this new land and starting out on a new course in life. And so if you read through the book of Joshua, at several points in the book, God instructs the people to, to set up a memorial, to, to set up some way to remember so that future generations as well could remember and be reminded of the powerful work and faithfulness of their God. And here again, God stresses the importance of considering his past faithfulness. And what does he, what does he call them to consider and remember? Well, first he says, remember where you came from. God points out that, that long ago, Abraham and his people lived beyond the Euphrates River. They, they worshiped and served other gods. Before God called Abraham and chose him to be the father of his people, Abraham was a pagan. <laughs> he served other gods. And likewise, it is good to remember where you have come from, or better yet, who you were before God called you to himself in Christ Jesus. If you've been with us in our series in 1 Corinthians, you will remember Paul reminding the believers there in Corinth to consider your calling. <laughs> Think about what you were when God called you. To remember that, that you were among the unrighteous. You were, you were 
among the wicked. You were the idolaters before you were called and redeemed by Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, that great gospel summary begins by reminding us of what we once were, dead in our sin, following the prince of this world, children of wrath, before God's mercy in Christ saved us. Now, each of our testimonies and stories in our life are different. And our experiences of the, of the reality of sin in our lives and its effect will, will differ for each of us. Some of you have probably dramatic conversion stories, while others of you were raised in the faith and don't remember a time when you didn't really follow and, and serve the Lord. But the Bible is, is clear that apart from God's sovereign grace, all of us are separated from God and slaves to sin, serving something other than God himself, serving self. And it's good to consider what we were because it leads us then to consider who we are now and to remember God's deliverance and redemption. Notice the emphasis in this opening section on God's work. Over and over, God speaks through Joshua saying, I did this for you. I brought you out. I uh, pushed out the enemies before you. God called Abraham away from beyond the river and, and he brought him into the land of Canaan. God was faithful to his promise to Abraham, giving him many offspring who became ultimately God's chosen people. And when they were enslaved in Egypt, where again they were under the servitude of sin, God heard their cries, sent Moses, delivered them from that oppression. Over and over, God highlights and gives example of his past faithfulness to deliver and protect and provide for his people. And brothers and sisters, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are the recipients of that great deliverance in all its fullness. In Christ, we have been chosen by God. We have been redeemed by his blood. We have been delivered from the power of sin and death. We have been adopted as his children. We have been brought into the inheritance of his kingdom. And so as you consider God's past faithfulness, remembering who you were is meant to give us a greater appreciation and a greater gratitude for who you are now in Christ and what God has done in your life through the grace of his son, Jesus. And not only that, but as a result, we need to consider the abundant blessings and provisions of God towards us as his people. Joshua goes on to remind the people of how God not only delivered them out of Egypt, but he preserved and provided for them in, in the desert. He then established them in a land of abundance and, and blessing. He drove out their enemies before them. They received an inheritance in the land the fruit of God's provision that was, was anything beyond anything they could have imagined. And in Christ Jesus, we too have received abundant blessings and provision from God. Everything that we have, all that we are, is a gift of His overflowing grace. And even in, in times of great suffering, even in times of, of significant trial or, or abundant need, God promises to sustain us. He promises to comfort us, to provide what we need, to ultimately deliver us and bring us with him to glory. 
And so as we enter into this, this new year, take some time to consider and remember God's past faithfulness. Go back and be reminded of, of God's great redemption for his people in the scriptures, but also of his great redemption of you. <laughs> Rehearse or, or rewrite your testimony of God's salvation in your own life. Take time to list some ways that you have, you have seen God's faithfulness in protecting or providing or leading you in the past. Reflect not on your, your own accomplishments, but but list what God has done in and through you. And if you're here this morning and have not experienced or embraced God's grace and forgiveness in Christ, consider the testimony of God here in his word and that of his people gathered here together and hear his call in this next step, which is at the heart of Joshua's message to the people and God's message to us. Having considered God's past faithfulness, Joshua says, now you must choose. The second step is, is choosing God as, a top prior, as your top priority. Joshua puts this choice in terms of service. He says in verse 14, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. But realize you have a choice to make. Choose this day whom you will serve. Because if it's not the Lord, you are choosing to serve something else. In other words, God's past faithfulness to his promises and his keeping of his covenant is no guarantee that we will be faithful in our calling and responsibility to follow and serve him alone. Joshua knew the, the impact of the people's past loves and idolatries, the influence of the, of the culture and the surrounding them and the tempting idols and practices they would engage would still be a force to be reckoned with in the life of God's people. That's why God had called the people to drive out the inhabitants and to destroy all their altars and high places. But even then, the people had failed to do that. And God knows the lure of compromise will continue to be strong in this world. And so Joshua says, this day, as you stand before the Lord and prepare to settle into the land he has given you, you have a choice to make. Will you serve God or will you serve something or someone else? And what Joshua is saying in essence is that the thing you make most important in your life, the thing that you put as a top priority will ultimately be the thing you serve. It will ultimately be the thing that drives and directs your life. And for us, it, it may not be Baal or Ashtoreth or Moloch, but the false gods of our day are plentiful. It may be the lure of other religions or sects or even the attraction of a kind of designer religion that says you can, you can pick and choose your brand of spirituality that, that leads to, to what we see happening, the deconstructing of, of faith around us. Or it may be other created things that we, we just put as a top priority in our lives such that they become like masters that we serve. It could be money. It could be popularity or, or being well-liked. It might be physical health or, and beauty. It might be material pleasure and comfort. It may be some particular cause or agenda. It may be success in a career or, or happiness in a family. 
It may be that the lack of those things would lead you to doubt or question or, or be angry at God. Or it may be that the love of those things cause you to forget and forsake the love of God. But the reality is that unless we choose, we make a conscious choice to, to fear God, meaning believe who he is and what he, and what he says and, and live in awe and respect of his greatness. And, and choose to serve him, meaning to submit to his authority and to live according to his will and his word and by his grace. Unless we choose him alone as our, our number one top priority, then we will, by default, have other priorities that will demand our time, our attention, and our service. And we will, in essence, forsake the Lord to serve those other things. Joshua knew that. Jesus knew that. He said, you cannot serve two masters. And so as we move into the new year, as we consider God's past faithfulness and his sovereign grace and goodness in Christ, as we, as we face new challenges, new changes that we know are coming and lie ahead, we have a choice to make. Who or what will you serve? Who or what will be your top priority today and all the days ahead. We can make all kinds of resolutions for the coming year. We can set out to do all kinds of good things, reach all kinds of lofty goals, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. There are other things that are important in life and, and are good in life. But unless those things are rooted in the priority of your relationship to God through Jesus Christ, unless your motivation in those activities uh, is to bring glory to God, to serve Him, then in essence, those goals are motivated by something else that you will serve and will ultimately lead you, leave you frustrated and empty. So choose this day whom you will serve, Joshua says. Will God be the priority in all that we do? Will He be the one we seek to serve and glorify in our work in our homes, in our relationships, in our hobbies, in our schools, with our finances, in our decisions that we make. Joshua was resolute. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people of Israel had seen the benefits and blessings of serving and follow God. And they, they too were quick to say, yes, we will serve the Lord. And we as Christians should be quick to say, yes. I understand, and as for me, I will serve the Lord. But there's a third step as the people are making this choice that Joshua is quick to point out, and that is to count. We have to consider, we have to choose, but we also have to count the cost of our service to God. Surely the people's cry that they would serve the Lord was music to Joshua's ears, but Joshua says, wait a minute. I want to be sure you understand the choice you're making here. He gives a very strong statement in verse 19. He says, you are not able to serve the Lord. Was Joshua holding up this, this choice to them that was unattainable? Was he getting them all charged up and excited only to, to pull the rug out from under them? and say, you can't do it? Well, not exactly. What Joshua wanted 
to be sure the people understood. And what God wants to be sure you and I understand is that, is that following him, serving him, is not a cakewalk. It's not easy. It is indeed the best way. It is the only way to true life and joy and freedom. But to choose that path, we have to be prepared for what lies ahead. It's a path that leads to glory, but it comes with sacrifice, with self-denial, and even with suffering to such a degree that we cannot do it simply by our own power alone. When we choose to follow the way of the Lord, we are making a, a serious choice. And Joshua points out this choice is to follow and serve a holy and a jealous God. He takes sin seriously. And we are sinners. And so when Joshua says, he will not forgive your transgressions and sins, he's not saying there is no hope, but only there is no hope apart from God's grace and mercy. If you pledge your allegiance to God and then continue to turn away from him to, to walk in your own way or to serve other gods, he will bring punishment and, and judgment for sin. If we think we can serve and follow God by simply making a choice and then working hard to do it in our own strength and willpower, we are fooling ourselves. The task is too great. God is holy and righteous and serving him requires holiness and righteousness. And so we need to count the cost of serving a holy God. And that cost for Joshua and for the people in the Old Testament was pictured in the sacrifices which Jesus had established for the forgiveness of sin. Joshua knew that no matter how resolute the people were, they would fail and they would fall again into sin and idolatry. And he knew that such failure would result in God's judgment. And so he wants them to understand the magnitude of their choice, what they were signing up for, and unless you understand the true nature of God, what it means to follow him, your choice may ultimately prove nothing more than an empty promise. Jesus warned the disciple who said he would follow Jesus anywhere he went. He said to him, birds have nests and foxes have dens, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, Jesus says, let me remind you that following me is not going to be a summer vacation. To follow Christ means to take up his life of sacrifice and humble service. It means to open yourself up to ridicule and rejection. It means being willing to suffer and to die to self in order to live to God. If anyone would come after me, Jesus said, let him take up his, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's a tall order with serious ramifications. And when we choose to follow God, when we choose to, to serve him alone, make him our top priority, we are choosing to swim upstream against the current of, of, of culture and society's norms. We will be tempted daily to abandon the journey and to just go with the flow. And we have to be realistic about what that cost means for the future. It'll cost time. It'll cost money. It'll cost popularity and position. It will cost some of you jobs. 
It may cost family relationships. It may mean letting go of dreams, financial security, convenience. It will, at times, bring pain and tears and conflict. But it's a cost that is worth it because the ultimate cost has already been borne. What the people of Israel could not do for themselves, what you and I cannot do ourselves, God in his grace and his mercy does for us in providing a sacrifice for sin. And the ultimate sacrifice he's provided in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came and he served God perfectly. He came and he took upon himself the the punishment and the penalty for our failure in his death on the cross. And by his sacrifice, we are brought out of the darkness and death of sin and into the light and life of God's mercy and grace. And Jesus now calls us, but he also equips us to follow him in ministry and service to God. He bears the ultimate cost, and that frees us up to serve God in fear and in in truth, but without fear of condemnation and wrath. And in counting the cost, Jesus also promises great reward to bring us to our inheritance in his kingdom, which leads to the last step. We have to consider and choose and count the cost The last step is to commit wholeheartedly to serve the Lord. After issuing the warning to count the cost, Joshua must have smiled when he heard again the people's response. Yes, we will serve the Lord. They were solidly committed. And to test that commitment, Joshua, in essence, makes them take an oath, a vow. He says, you are witnesses against yourself of the choice you have made. Sometimes couples who have been married for a long time will will go through a renewal of their vows of love and commitment to one another. They'll gather before the Lord or gather with other witnesses and they will reaffirm their wedding vows and recommit themselves to faithful love and to, to service to one another. It's a beautiful thing. And in some ways... This is like that. As the people come and they pledge anew their their allegiance to the Lord their God to, to serve him faithfully, they commit wholeheartedly to the Lord. And then Joshua points to the very heart of what it means to make that commitment and to have that total commitment to God. He says in verse 23, Now then, put away the foreign gods that are among you, and incline your hearts to the God of Israel. Since you understand all that's entailed, since you have, you have understand the cost that's involved, since you have considered the work of the Lord, this past faithfulness, do away with the false gods and incline your heart to the living God. To put it in New Testament terms, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Turn from your sin and trust in Christ Jesus. We may consider God's past faithfulness. We may choose him as our present priority. We may count the future cost of doing so. But the only way that we show our commitment to live wholeheartedly to serve the Lord is not by saying, I'll just try harder. 
It's not by just resolving to do better. It's by admitting that at times we do fail and we do serve certain foreign gods in our lives. It's admitting that we are sinners in need of God's mercy. And it is only by continued turning away from our sin in repentance, putting away those things that would would distract us and, and dissuade us from following and serving God, and yielding our hearts to the Lord in faith and trust in His grace and truth in Christ Jesus. Only then are we able to carry out our commitment to love and to serve the Lord. That commitment begins with yielding, a giving away or or relinquishing control to God through faith in Christ and trusting that his way is best. And he will give you both the will and the power to walk the path of humble service to God, even in the face of difficulty. So as we enter into a new year, you have a choice to make. And if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, that choice is clear. It is a once and for all choice to accept the free gift of God's grace as it is offered by God in His Son, Jesus Christ. God is still as much in the business of changing hearts and delivering souls and blessing lives as He was in Joshua's day. Only now we have a fuller understanding that that change occurs through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so if you haven't already done so, I urge you today, choose this day to turn from sin and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve the living God. And for those of us who have already made that choice, we have an ongoing choice of sorts, indeed a daily choice to consider God's faithfulness to count the cost of following him and to commit ourselves anew to to turning from sin and trusting Christ such that our lives are lived in sincere and faithful service to the living God. So on this first day of 2023, I ask you, choose this day whom you will serve. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you have recorded for us in your word and by your prophets. And you have shown us your mighty deeds and your awesome faithfulness to your people. And Lord, you have spoken to us even more clearly through the living word, your son, Jesus Christ in whom are all the promises that you have made bound up and come to fulfillment for us as your people. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us as we consider your past faithfulness. Lord, we don't often see it until we look back upon it. And so give us grace to see your work in us, in our own salvation, in our lives together as your people, in your church around the world. And Lord, to choose anew, to love and to serve you, to put you as our top priority and to trust you with the future, knowing that you desire 
to do and to work our good in all things. And Lord, as we count the cost of following with you, give us grace to enter into that and to commit to that as we continue to repent and to trust in you. And Father, we thank you for what you are and will do in the days ahead. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we conclude our time of worship and lift our voices again to our great God.
And now go from this place to love and serve the Lord with his blessing. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true and eternal life. Go in peace. Amen.